Rambo said yesterday that um, at some point while you're in hospitals that he was going to beat your butt. That wasn't the word that he used, but did you have any response for that? In golf? <laughs> I think he, I think he meant on the football field. <laughs> well, I'm sure there will come a day, you know. Let's go right here in the middle of the damn field. Let's bring it down, take it on three. Hell yeah! Because this is our house from now on. Yes, sir. Take it on three. One, two, three. Seven. But I'm going to tell you this. We ain't done yet. i got to ask you about the message on your shirt. Uh, my favorite holiday of the year, I guess. And, you know, so... Just, um, someone gave me a shirt and Merry Christmas, they spelled it wrong, so, you know, it was free. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? That's a, yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that, that <laughs> we played LSU because, you know, New England, Green Bay, and the Chiefs uh, had somebody scheduled. You know what we're going to do, though? We've got to quickly call the Hogs for the race. Yep. <laughs> the fact you're dressed as Darth Vader, do you feel like you were somewhat of a villain in this fight? I mean, you charged out on the field pretty hard. I was trying to get our players off the field, you know, because I know we have a big game next week. All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Welcome in to the latest episode of that sec podcast i'm your host michael brenton i go by sec mike on twitter and man do we got a loaded show today we got two guests on the show i don't know if we've ever had two guests on the show uh but uh, hey that's just how it worked out and maybe we'll see more of this uh in the days and weeks to come with the season right around the corner and if you guys like multiple guests per show especially when shane's not available to come on uh, but we got Bow Bounds, one of the best, not only in the state of Mississippi, but the entire Southeastern Conference. He runs a show there, ESPN 105.9 out of Jackson, Mississippi, out of bounds with Bow Bounds. He is just terrific. He delivered the goods. And then, as promised, got an Auburn insider, Nathan King from 24-7 Sports, Auburn Undercover, going to give us the lowdown on what's going on on the Plains but before we get to that, hey, I got to mention the sponsors again. You know, as, hey, I've said it many times, I'm sure you all know by now, but uh, this is my full-time job. So what's the best way to keep the show going? Take advantage of these sponsorships we've got. HelloFresh, hellofresh.com slash Mike 14 Go there, use that promo code to get up to 14 free meals, courtesy of HelloFresh and FanDuel. The online sports book. Head on over to fanduel.com slash SEC Mike for a 20% initial deposit bonus up to $500. College football just right around the corner. So if you haven't already, here's an opportunity to get uh, $500 free to bet with here. So check those on out. But like I said, we got a loaded show. We got to get into the action. And before we kick it around the league, we just found out one of our favorite SEC coaches is a big fan of the Silver Bullets. Let's head it on over to Sam Pittman. Reminds me, too. We mentioned it during our radio show, and people started sending us this picture of you, and you got your Pittsburgh State uniform on, go Gorillas, and you were sitting on the bench, 
And and it wasn't until right. I've been looking at this picture for two hours. All of a sudden, I go. I was like, "Is that a Coors Light?" There's a, yeah, right there's a cold oh. silver bullet sitting right by your foot. So that was a spring game, and I had had ACL surgery, but I wanted to get out there, play or two. So I just told the left tackle, I say, "Don't block me." You know, I ain't gonna make the play, but I want to just come out here for. And then after I got done, I said I'd brought the igloo. Yeah. And some silver bullets. And I told the fellas, I said, hey, I'm just going to sit over here and drink some beer, and you're more than welcome to come over here and do it with me. <laughs> and I sat over there and had me a few drinks. There. All right, so these comments, of course, come from uh, the Marty and McGee show there on SEC Network. So, man, when I just saw this, had to share it. Uh, Shane's always drinking them silver bullets. And once I get a better handle on how to do all this video editing, I'll probably be right there down in some silver bullets with them. So, uh, <laughs> I just thought this was fantastic and uh, just just the latest example of Sam Pittman just being, you know, he's just a guy that uh, he's, if he wasn't a football coach, he'd probably be just a fan of the Razorbacks. And I think that's why he's so endearing and why the Razorback fans have just bought into him because he's one of them and they're him. So I thought this was a great example. And then I had to throw this little, if you're watching on YouTube, our buddy John Neighbors there runs a uh, Arkansas radio show. He had a tweet uh, featuring Sam Pittman just dousing Steve Sarkeesian in Texas with the uh, <laughs> Coors Light beer hose truck. But I just thought that was fantastic. And, uh, you know, that wasn't the only little clip here that I wanted to start with because we're all excited about Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC and what that will mean for the nation's best football conference. And we're all hoping and praying that, uh, you know, they'll fix – fix the scheduling issue. That's the main issue right now, I think, with SEC football. Just the fact that some of these Eastern and Western teams never rarely see each other. And they, I mean, there's players that go their career. And now we got guys in sixth and seventh seasons, and they're still not getting to every SEC camp. It's, just, it's really a shame. And the great news is Greg Sankey, the most powerful man, not only in the SEC, but Hell, probably all of college sports at this moment. He wants to see this change. So let's kick it over. He was recently on uh, Matt Hayes' radio show, XL Primetime in Jacksonville. This is Greg Sankey talking about uh, the need to change up SEC scheduling. Hey, do you see your not a 9 or 10 game league schedule in the future? I've asked our athletics directors, even at our presidents and chancellors level, to take a step back and look at the big picture. I start, Matt, from we need to rotate teams through our campuses with greater frequency. Uh, you know, the, the once in 12 year at games right. um, for crossover opponents. Man, when I talk about compelling content within 16 teams, compelling competition, volleyball, basketball, football, baseball, the more we can move our teams through our campuses, both traveling to and, and, and receiving those visiting teams, that's the focus. Is that a specific set of, a specific set of games right now? No, we're going to look at the alternatives. And uh, we're engaged actively in that work right now. But the challenge has been let's, in, let's look at like the big picture and figure out how to meet that objective. All right, so we'd love to have Matt on at some point to discuss this, but uh, I think he's currently banned from coming on the show. <laughs> if that ban ever gets lifted, I'd, I'd love to have him back on the show. He's been on the show before. so. Uh, but, you know, this is curious comments here, and given the fact that uh, Texas and Oklahoma 
you know, everybody publicly, they kind of, they have to say they're coming to the SEC in 2025. The fact that uh, the commissioner of the league is out here already addressing scheduling with the addition of those two programs, you think they'd be discussing scheduling four or five years out? I don't think so. I think this is just the latest indication. They can't say it publicly because Texas and Oklahoma still legally contracted to the Big 12 till uh, 2025. You know, they can't say anything different because I, they'll be breaking the contract. So while Texas and Oklahoma fight to secure their way out of that thing, uh, it's good to know that the SEC is already anticipating their addition here, whenever that is, and they're looking to fix what I still believe is uh, what I believe is the biggest issue with the SEC, and that's the scheduling. So it's great to see that the nation's best conference is just going to get better, and we already knew that with Texas and Oklahoma. But now we have a very good indication that uh, the league is going to take steps to improve it now that it's a 16-team super conference. All right, but like I said, hey, we got two interviews, so I didn't really know how to break this up. I didn't really want to do back-to-back interviews. So the way we're going to do it, Let's kick it to our first interview here with Bo Bounds of ESPN 105.9 in Jackson, Mississippi. He truly is one of my all-time favorites. I've been listening to this guy for years and years and years. He's part of the reason I got into this. Uh, I just enjoy listening to his show. Not everybody that is going to agree with everything he's got to say, but uh, he makes bold comments, and he's right a lot more than he's wrong. So he just tells it the way he sees it and doesn't hold anything back. And that's uh, part of the reason I think he's so entertaining. So let's kick it over to our interview with Bo Bounds. Hey, Bo, it's uh, Mike, SEC Mike. How's it going, brother? How you doing, man? I got to be honest with you. This is a real treat for me. I've been listening to your show since 2014, I'd say. Oh, man, I appreciate it. And I, I really do. And I believe it or not, Thank I was you. living in California. I was living out in Los Angeles, and and still the word on your show reached me. I don't know how I found out about it, but I, I was tuning in every day on the internet, and and I'm still doing it to this day. I love to hear it. I really appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. So I won't take up too much of your time. I just some football with you, and uh, sure, man, you were you had me dying. So I, I got to ask you about uh, your Kirby Smart Ed Ogeron comment the other day. I th- that was just I almost fell out of my damn chair when you said that. well you know uh there's a lot of i mean they're not identical but there's obviously a lot of similarities between the two um you know they're defensive minded coaches they've really struggled with their offense uh outside of ogeron you know catching lightning in a bottle with with joe brady and joe burrow Mm -hmm. and um i still think they have um more of a 20 years ago mentality as far as suffocating their offense and their offensive talent. Cause you know, Mike at Georgia and, and LSU, you get, I mean, they, they both have top five talent, right? So they, they should be dynamic and, uh, and fun and exciting and explosive year in, year out. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it's there. I, I still believe, well, here, here's the way I think they look at it. They, they think that they can get enough stops in a game and their offense can do enough and, and they can win. Um, you know, that mentality doesn't work anymore, Mike. Um, it can't score. 15 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, teams could, uh, 
be pretty average. I mean, look at Bama uh, for you know years and years ago, and Georgia and other teams that that were good. Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, they weren't they weren't any good on offense, but but they would uh, suffocate you on defense, play ball control, score just enough to to win games. Well, that that approach and that mentality doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is is spread out and it's vertical, and there's just too many good quarterbacks and too many good skill people. Uh, look at what Ole Miss is doing. Look at what Oklahoma's doing. Um, you know, Mullen had a great year last year. You can tell that he's all about opening it up if he has the right guy. We'll see what they have with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. But, yeah, look, Kirby and, and Ogeron are, are fil- uh, phenomenal recruiters. Um, they're at great programs. I mean, goodness. I mean, you're going to wake up every day with, with more talent than anybody else, but maybe a team or two. And uh, I just don't think that they have the right mindset. Doesn't mean that they can't bottle it every now and then, Mike, just because they're so talented. But I don't know if they have the right mindset to be really fun and explosive on offense on a year-to-year basis, Ogeron and Kirby. So what about this year? I mean, everybody's picking Georgia in the East. Are you not on that bandwagon at this point? Well, should they win it? Absolutely. Um, you know, they have more talent than anybody in the East, and they had the best schedule. Uh, I picked Florida probably just to mess with people. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Dan was able to pull it off. Should he? No. Um, is Dan a much better coach? Absolutely. Does he know how to, does he know how to coach the most uh, important side of the ball? Offense, yes. And the most important position, quarterback, yes. But, the, but, Mike, you're hitting on something. I mean, the East is atrocious. Um, you know, South Carolina is, is not any good. Um, Tennessee's in major transition. They're, they're not going to be – I mean, they may have a nice team, but they're not going to scare anybody. Mm-hmm. And then Kentucky, Vandy, and Mizzou don't matter. So, you know, when you look at it, uh, there's no question this is, this is like a – this is low-hanging fruit. For uh, for Kirby Smart in Georgia, but I wouldn't be surprised, Mike, if they screw it up. I can't wait to see. Look, they should win this Clemson game, mm-hmm. right? Clemson's lost. I mean, they lost their quarterback, number one pick in the draft. They lost uh, ETN, first round pick. They lost two big time receivers, and I think two offensive linemen. And yet Vegas has uh, Vegas has Clemson, right? as a favorite over Georgia uh, on a neutral field that doesn't matter in Charlotte, a town mm-hmm. that doesn't care about college football. And, and, and yet Vegas has Clemson favored, Mike. In other words, that tells me something. That, I mean, that tells me that they, they believe that Dabo and Venables are better than Kirby and Munkin. And, and that is – I mean, Georgia should be a seven – six, seven-plus point favorite, Mike, and yet they're not. And I expect a low-scoring game. Wouldn't be surprised if Venables bottles up JT Daniels and Kirby's offense, whatever that is, and, uh, and Clemson squeaks out a win. Should Georgia win? No doubt. Will they? I doubt it. Yeah, I think you might be onto something because uh, Clemson, you know, they're the ones with the new quarterback. Georgia's the one with the returning quarterback, too, so it just kind of, you know, adds to what you're saying there, but – you hit on something there, Dan Mullen. 
I know what you think of him. I think the same thing. I think he's one of the best. I think it's totally overlooked what he did at Mississippi State. I, I think he's, you know, I'm, I'm not that old, but I think he's the best coach they've ever had. Oh, yeah. Oh, can, yeah. Can he, do you think he'll win a national championship? Or, you know, what's the deal with Dan Mullen? Because uh, it seems like every offseason he's got one foot out the door. I mean, d- does that hurt him? I don't know. I don't think so. I, uh, do I think that he can make the college football playoff? Uh, absolutely, Mike. Um, but he's going to have to have something special at QB. So we'll see what Emory Jones does, but they believe that Anthony Richardson, it might not be this year, but they think that Anthony Richardson is going to be a dude. And if that's the case, everybody better watch out. I know they were terrible on defense last year. I understand what all happened, but, um, Grantham will get that corrected in my opinion. I mean, they may not be great, but uh, you don't have to be great on defense anymore. I mean, we're not really seeing that many elite defenses, but they'll be better. Dan's always going to move the football, so people are going, people are, are freaking out. They're like, "Well, well, he he lost Trask and he lost Tony and he lost a Trask and and all these guys." And I'm I'm like I'm like uh, Pitts, sorry, and, and I'm like, okay, that no doubt those were you know incredible players. Mm-hmm. Dan moves the ball regardless, Mike. So it may look different than than Trash to Pitts or to whatever mm-hmm. than last year, but he's going to move the football, Mike. I, I promise. And whether that's his own reading it with Emory Jones and some other players, but yeah, I think Dan can get it done. And um, you know, they may be in a little transition this year. I don't mean like crazy because they're still florida but they may be in a little bit of transition but don't be surprised do not be surprised they shouldn't but don't be surprised if they beat georgia in the cocktail party bo has has anything in your career been better than matt luke getting replaced by lane kiffin and joe moorhead getting replaced by mike leach Well, okay, Luke and Moorhead are, are, are nice guys. Let me say that. No, uh, it's great. I mean, um, Kiffin and Leach are great. Uh, they're both offensive-minded guys. They're fun. Um, you know, they, they, they're very talented. They know how to coach the most important position. Uh, now, Lane walked into an unbelievable situation on the offensive side of the football. And somewhat took advantage of it last year. I mean, you know, they they moved the ball against everybody. They didn't really beat anybody. I mean, they beat South Carolina, Kentucky, Vandy, and Mississippi State. None of those teams were good. But they moved it up and down the field, scored, were fun to watch. You would think that they'll be even better this year. And then, of course, Leach went through all kinds of craziness. You know, Moorhead had left a, a bad culture and ended up down to 46 players, and they just had to hang on. But they showed improvement down the stretch. So. I'm optimistic about both teams. Now, Ole Miss may actually make more noise, a little more noise, but uh, it's going to be fun, man. And Matt Corral's a dude. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, and it ain't cl- – these people who think it's JT Daniels, um, it's not. Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the SEC, and it's not close. Now, Jimbo Fisher, of course, you know, so many headlines. He got paid $75 million to take over down there. And I think when you pay someone $75 million, winning the SEC is not good enough. And, and that may be a bold statement because they've never done it, but I'm already looking past that. Will Jimbo Fisher 
win a national championship during his time there at, at Texas A&M? No. Um, Jimbo won at a place that's got, uh, when they were rolling, when they're rolling, um, you know, has that thing we call the path of least resistance at Florida State. Mm-hmm. And it was before Dabo got up and running and the ACC wasn't any good. Still, tip of the cap for, for doing it. He also didn't pull a monster in the championship game. That was an overachieving, kind of weird Auburn team. But anyway, uh, no, I don't expect Jim. I think Jimbo makes his offense too complicated. And I don't think he's willing to adjust and adapt to what you need to run this day and age. And so even though they recruit gangbusters and have a bunch of talent and so on, I do not believe that he'll win a title at A&M. Now, what are your thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma coming in the league? Love it. Love it. I think it's awesome. I mean, to have the Longhorns and Sooners is, I mean, it's like a, the gift that keeps on giving, Mike. Um, for us and, and sports media, mm-hmm. uh, in the Sun Belt, it's it's great. It will only make our uh, – It'll only make it more fun and the content better if you know what you're doing. And uh, those are two programs that we had already, you know, talked about a good bit over the years. And uh, we break, we've, we have great contacts in both places. And um, I plan on going out there and hanging out a little bit. Uh, but I am just so fired up. Great move by the Southeastern Conference and, and Mr. Sankey because Texas and Oklahoma are just going to make it even more fun and a, I hope we break it up into the four pods or four divisions. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts playing each other more. And uh, this division thing is so outdated and antiquated. And we, uh, you know, it, it makes it even more fun for all of us on Saturdays, which is what we want. Yeah, and I guess that is the million-dollar question of, of how they break it up. I don't, I don't want to get your whole thoughts on it, but Mississippi and uh, uh, Mississippi State, if they do go to a pod, who do you want to see in their pod? Uh, well, I'd like to see Arkansas and A&M, I guess, or something like that instead of LSU. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of people seem to believe it'll be Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, and Arkansas. That's not bad. Um, I'm almost good with anything. Both of them want to be out of the Bama deal, (laughs) so... Everybody does. We'll see, though. <laughs> Mississippi State's 90 miles from Bama, so I don't know what um, – Yeah, I, I don't know if it'll necessarily go along, you know, exact geographical lines. But uh, as long as they avoid playing Bama every year, both MSU and Ole Miss, I think it's uh, a tremendous win for the two programs. Well, speaking of Alabama, how much longer is uh, Nick Saban going to terrorize the SEC? Because it, it seems like every time he's slowing down, uh, he just figures out a way to make his program that much better. Yeah, you know, I thought uh, several years ago he would be closer to done by now, and, and he is not. And I think COVID kind of freaked him out because uh, he went home and didn't really have anything to do. Um, and so he realized he liked uh, the journey and the challenge of of coaching Alabama football. So I wouldn't be surprised, Mike, if he coaches another five years, maybe even more. But uh, that's a long time to put up with Saban in the Crimson Tide, and you know he's the greatest to ever do it. You got to tip your cap. All right, last question for you, Bo. I really appreciate all your time, and I won't hold you to this because so many things could change between now and then. But uh, if you had to pick a winner of the Egg Bowl right now, 
Who are you going with for uh, the, the upcoming season? Uh, I usually pick the home team, but right now I'll pick Ole Miss because of they have the better quarterback. And I like Will Rogers, by the way, at Mississippi State. He's just young. And he doesn't have the same dudes around him as Matt Corral does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure what the MSU offensive line is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I'll give a slight edge to Ole Miss because Corral is incredible and I think should be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. One more I forgot uh, to ask you about Arkansas. Is that the toughest job in the country? Because, my God, the, the expectation and – uh, you could have a top 20 recruiting class, and you could still potentially got the worst recruiting class in that division. Right. Yeah, I think Arkansas and Nebraska are both um, uh, brutal jobs. But, yeah, Arkansas is tough because they still have uh, Frank Brawls' expectations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was 45 years ago. And the uh, – ESPN democratized college football and there's been a paradigm shift. And um, although the Razorbacks can be, you know, salty and good when, when run right and so on, um, they're never going to be what they were in 1972. Like, All right. He's Bo Bounds, host of Out of Bounds with Bo Bounds on ESPN, the zone 105.9. I really appreciate you, Bo. You're, you're one of the best out there, truly. Mike, I appreciate you saying that. I really enjoyed it, man. Uh, reach out anytime, and I hope you have a great football season, bud. All right, so just want to say thanks again to Bo for uh, hopping on the line. You can follow him at Bo Bounds. That's in the show notes, and there's also a link to his program. Got to check it out, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, not just for everyday SEC content, but when there's trouble brewing down there in the state of Mississippi – uh, his show is inc- just an incredible listen. And they even have online, they got YouTube too, so check out the YouTube as well. But uh, I cannot recommend that show enough. Bo Bounds, really appreciative of him coming on the show. But uh, hey, let's get this thing rolling here. Let's kick it around the league. Now let's go around the league. Um, what, what, what is 12 personnel? You know, I, I, I got to get up. Two tight ends and two wide receivers, or one. I'm just kidding. I don't know what 12 personnel is. So, I worry about playing Alabama. I can't figure out whether or not the Big Ten and Back 12 are gonna yo-yo around and play football with us or not. I mean, they're playing great. Love it. Love the game. Awesome game. It's unbelievable for our country. Uh, it's it's great for our universities. It's great for our towns when we play. It's great for our young men. Uh, you know, it, I think it's personally think it's the greatest game in the world. So if they elect to play, great. If they don't, yeah, you know, that's 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 on them. I, I got enough crap to worry about with preparing for Alabama and figuring stuff out at Mizzou. So the team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI, and frankly, or frankly. That's bull crap. Uh, we've got a hell of a football team. And whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up no matter who's out. We got Kevin. All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are going to ask whatever you want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? Young man from Destrohan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guy. Hey. 
I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. I got to start here in College Station where we had uh, arguably the biggest news of the day in the SEC, and this was uh, to be expected, but old Hayes King, the redshirt freshman, he has been named the starting quarterback. Let's kick it over to Jimbo, who interestingly announced this during a uh, ESPN radio show there in Houston. Great. How's Haynes played? How's, uh, played great. Uh, we we, we talked to him yesterday, and right now Haynes will be a starter. And uh, um, um, Zach will be the backup right now. But like we had a great talk yesterday, I feel very comfortable with both guys. I think both guys can win and uh, play well. I think both guys had an outstanding camp and just the criteria of how we went through things. And we had a really good conversation about yesterday. That's how we'll go into this, this going into this first game, as we say. But don't say those things are ever-changing. I mean, you don't want them to change, but at the same time, you know, competition and guys get better and how they play and, and also the roles and what may be needed for each game. All right, so an interesting way to reveal that information after being asked about it repeatedly in all these pressers. But, uh, you know, no real stunning news here. I think uh, most people, and myself included, have been saying Hayes King is probably going to be the guy. And that's no slight on Zach Calzada. I think uh, he continues to progress. He's got the big arm. Uh, you know, Jimbo says he's got an NFL arm. So, uh, certainly, I don't think this is the last we've heard of Zach Calzada. We may even see him on the field this season for the Aggies. They may need him. So, who knows? But uh, given the fact that uh, A&M has four new starters on the offensive line, a little bit of a transition there, uh, it makes a ton of sense that you're going to go with the more mobile guy in Hayes King who can also throw it. Make no mistake, he's not just a runner here because – uh, to fully utilize that offense. They need the downfield passing game. But uh, like I said, to be expected here, son of a coach, won the, uh, I believe he won the, the Texas State Championship. He either won it or took his team to the championship there uh, as a junior or senior. I can't remember. But uh, so much buzz about Hayes King. And the comparison that I keep seeing over and over, I've seen Billy Lucci have this one as, as well as others. But they say this kid, uh, Hayes King, reminds them of Colt McCoy. And that's probably not exactly the uh, comparison that Aggies want to hear. But, hell, Colt McCoy, I think he's still playing in the NFL. And uh, if you go back to his time at Texas, he's one of the best they've ever had. And that, you know, of course, went to the national championship game, lost to Nick Saban in Alabama. But that was a game where Colt got knocked out early. So who knows? I mean, that's one of the greatest – what ifs in Texas history, Alabama would have still beat him. But, hell, he, he led him there, and uh, he was a prolific college quarterback. And if Texas A&M is getting similar uh, production from the quarterback position in the years to come under Hayes King, I think they'll take that even if they hate that comparison. So Texas A&M, you know, they've got a, a fairly easy schedule here right out the gate to kind of break Hayes King into the – into his new role as the team's starting quarterback. But uh, I think that's going to be the proved to be the right move and got to get him up to speed before that SEC opener against Arkansas. Next, let's kick it on down to Nashville. Anchor down. Where Clark Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores are preparing for their season opener against ETSU. And this is a team we've not hit on here recently, but, uh, you know, very interesting quarterback battle. Keep talking about that all training camp and 
it's interesting on a, on many different levels. You know, we've hit on the fact that Ken Seals and Mike Wright maybe two of the best. They may be the two best players on the Vanderbilt team. So it's a nice problem to have if you're Vanderbilt to have a wealth of quarterbacks because you just you never know when you're going to need to go to the backup. But uh, I certainly think both these guys are going to see the field early and often. And here's the the thing, because Vanderbilt's in a little bit of a tricky spot because we all know, if you listen to this show, Ken Seals, we think the world of him. He's a great pocket passer, whereas Mike Wright is the more mobile guy. But here's the thing. With Vanderbilt, the main issue that I'm hearing right now is the offensive line is just struggling. And that has led to the defense kind of having their way in some of these scrimmages. And uh, so in an ideal world, I don't think that uh, there would be any doubt that you'd go with Ken Seals. And I, I certainly expect he'll still be the starter. But what I'm trying to say here is, you know, you could have Tom Brady back here, but if you can't protect him, it's not worth anything. And if you got a more mobile option, again, kind of going back to Texas A&M and Hayes King, why, uh, you know, that made so much sense to me. Sometimes you got to go with the more mobile guy while the uh, offensive line gets some continuity and get some experience under their belt. So uh, that's why I say Vanderbilt's in such a unique position here because you may have to play Mike Wright a little bit more than you want to. Not that you don't want to play him, but you certainly don't want to sit a guy like Ken Seal. So I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. And it's interesting that uh, they've not named a starter just yet going into this opener against ETSU. Again, I, I still think it'll be Ken Seals, but uh, we'll see how much Mike, Mike Wright plays. I anticipate that he'll play quite a bit, and it may be because of that offensive line struggling to protect the passers this year. Uh, so let's kick it over to Clark Lee, who talks about this quarterback battle, talks a little bit about the uh, Vandy United project. Uh, they've updated that, and the, the $300 million investment, that's still on track, and we've already seen they've got new lockers and everything like that in, in Vanderbilt. So things are progressing under Clark Lee, and he sounds pretty fired up about it. Um, well, I knew I knew that the Vandy United project was on the, on the books and on the brink of being announced. Um, and there were some early con conceptual stuff that, that I was aware of. But, you know, I think what we've done uh, and what uh, Candace has done and, and Chancellor Deermeyer is just continued through this journey to, to, um, to find that highest level, you know, highest level potential of how this facility can, um, can really reshape football, you know, in this, on this campus. And obviously there are, you know, other sports that will benefit as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been exciting for me. And I think with every, you know, um, update or upgrade, I get more excited about what the plan is, what the potential is here and how it's, it's really meant to position our football program, um, in a place where we can, where we can launch, um, you know, and be competitive in our league for a long time. Not yet. Um, you know, I feel like we're getting close. I think the scrimmage helped, um, helped us um, kind of move along in that process. Um, and, and I do want to focus on, on the chemistry of the group too. I think that's important heading into game one, but we're not ready to, to make that announcement yet. Um, you know, we still have some time left here where we're technically still in training camp. We've done a little opponent prep. We started that today, but um, just giving it a little more time. Uh, strategically, there's no advantage. So, yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, it, it, you know, internally to to solidify the chemistry and, and so that we can have some confidence with, you know, it, it's just nice to know where the role is, 
publicly, you know, there's no there's no reason to to really make an indication until we play. He's a tough runner. Um, he's he's a leader. He's he's a guy that uh, as a you know as our kind of top running back right now um, knows it at a high level. So he doesn't he, you know he, in in all situations as a pass protector, as a as a runner. You know, he has a command over what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. That's going to go a long way just in allowing the offense to find rhythm. I think as a runner, he, he again, he's tough. When he gets vertical, he has a second gear that he can hit. And um, we've seen that uh, from spring into fall where he breaks a run and he's not caught. Um, and so I think there's an element of um, explosiveness that will be helpful to us. And I also wanted to, uh, you know, make note, uh, again, kind of like Clark Lee saying here, the Temple transfer running back, Ramon Davis, just keep hearing great things about him. And certainly based on what uh, Clark Lee just had to say there about him, it looks like the Temple transfer is, is cemented as their Vanderbilt's new start running back. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a big surprise this season in the SEC to make this more of a balanced attack with these two quarterbacks, Seals and Wright. So uh, it, it's interesting. Vanderbilt, very sneaky team. Cam Johnson at receiver. I believe it's uh, SEC Stat Cat who, who's got Abdur Rahim as one of the other receivers. He's got him as the most underrated receiver in the entire SEC. So there's some interesting pieces there. And you put all these together, we haven't really even talked about the defense. Apparently the defense is the one that is uh, – kind of the more standout unit here in training camp. So, hey, I'm not trying to get too pumped up. We got <laughs> I just did a Vanderbilt podcast and the and the host said, you know, week 1 ETSU is that's the biggest game of the year. So, <laughs> I'm not trying to put the cart in front of the horse, but there's a lot to like about this Vanderbilt Commodore team heading into the season at least when you're talking about the pieces, ideal pieces uh, to make this an explosive offense. And now you got a coaching staff that knows what they're doing when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. So I think better days are ahead for Vanderbilt, and they're coming just this season. All right, uh, sticking in the SEC East, let's jump on down to Missouri real quick. Where M-I-Z! You know, every time I hear from this guy, Steve Wilkes, the new defensive coordinator, of course, former NFL defensive coordinator and head coach of the Arizona Cardinals just come more and more impressed with this guy and you know he's got a tall task in front of him week two slowing down Chris Rodriguez and company and Will Levis and Liam Cohen who I assume they have no film on what the Kentucky offense is going to look like because and it's kind of the same Kentucky's got no film on what Missouri's going to do on defense outside of the can't even call it a spring game it was such a uh, a mockery of a spring game, but uh, Kentucky didn't even have a spring game for people to study. So two NFL minds going head-to-head week two. I cannot wait for that. But, of course, Missouri's got Central Michigan in the season opener. That's not a game they can overlook either. Uh, Missouri is the – Missouri's playing at home. It's The spread right now is 13-and-a-half. That's the lowest spread among an SEC team that's hosting an opponent in the league, the opening weekend. So it's pretty interesting there. Uh, not saying Missouri's on upset alert or anything like that. Certainly not. But, you know, they'll have to – they can't overlook that one is, is basically what I'm saying. Can't be overlooking that to the that monumental matchup against Kentucky. But uh, so let's kick it over to Steve Wilkes, who met with the media here recently on his defense, on his coaching method. And he really talked up Trajan Jeffcoat. And this is something we've hit on this offseason. But Missouri – 
keying in on those turnovers. And we all know that's hey, that's something every coordinator says. We you know we we're gonna lead the league in turnovers. We're gonna focus on turnovers. And it's one thing to sit here and, and spiel about that and say you're gonna do it, but Steve Wilkes. His units led the NFL in turnovers multiple seasons. And given the fact that uh, he knows how to do it in the NFL, I'm pretty damn confident he knows how to do it in the SEC. Just to give you guys an update of where we are, um, finished training camp, and uh, I'm very pleased right now with where we are as a defense. Uh, I still feel like we have a long way to go in order to reach our goals, but I like the um, direction in which we're moving into um, everything we do starts up front uh, with our defensive line. Uh, they have definitely set the tone this summer. Um, they're going to be definitely the strength of this defense. Uh, and when you look at uh, Kiel Byers, you know, Chris Turner, uh, Darius Robinson, Isaiah McGuire, all those veteran guys are going to you know, set the standard of how we play. And it starts up front. Uh, I'm very pleased with uh, Blaze as an addition, along with Devin at the linebacker position. Uh, those guys have really stepped up and shown some promise. And we're going to have a very strong competitive um, you know, competition and rotation on the back end, particularly with the corners. So, um, yes, definitely pleased. Long way to go and looking forward to getting started. I think it's just really being consistent. You know, we talk about this all the time. It's just... Um, letting the guys know that you're accountable in every form, um, that, that, that level of commitment and how you approach each and every day and knowing that you expect the same in return. So uh, I never waver. I'm the same guy every day. I'm, I'm going to hit you right between the eyes and tell you how I feel, you know, uh, and I'm going to love you up just the same. When I get on you hard, I'm going to love you up hard. So I think that's how you build trust with the consistency and how you operate. Good football player, you know, so good guys know how to jump right back in, in the mix, you know, to get right back in, on the saddle, and they know how to just, you know, perform well, and that's what he is. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, I knew he was a dynamic pass rusher, but the guy's phenomenal in the run game, you know, very stout, can set the edge, can dominate a tight end, you know, so uh, I'm very pleased when you start talking about his overall play. You, you know what? Um, don't have a number for you, but I tell you, it's been pretty good, to be honest with you. And um, that's been our mantra. You know, that's one of the things I preach the day, day one when I walk through the door, you know, is taking the ball away on defense and scoring. So I'm uh, going to continue to emphasize that, and hopefully that'll be a great showing for us this year. All right, so I think you get a sense of, uh, you know, how in command this guy is and confident. And, uh, you know, I really like the part he's talking about his coaching techniques, about riding guys hard and loving them at the same time just as hard if uh, need be here. So, you know, certainly he's talked about uh, it's going to be a transition for him. Going, He's been coaching in the NFL for decades. Now he's got to coach college players. He's done it before, so it's not completely foreign to him. But uh, that'll be an adjustment this season, and I'm sure that's been something that uh, you know, there's been a learning curve there in spring and fall, and now gearing up to the season, it's time to go. And, again, not saying I have any doubts on Steve Wilkes. He's got more experience than uh, – just about any coach out there. So uh, I just thought uh, Missouri fans would appreciate these comments from their defense coordinator. Sticking on uh, in the SEC East, let's kick it on down next to Lexington. We're defensive coordinator. Hey, we're going on a defensive coordinator spiel here, but uh, Brad White, the Wildcat coordinator, one of the more underrated coordinators in the entire SEC, met with the media. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things there for Kentucky – They've got to find pass rush. Where is that going to come? 
Uh, and, you know, obviously with uh, Jamon Davis, first-round pick. Before that, it was Josh Allen. I mean, K- Kentucky just seems to find these guys and develop them. And, uh, you know, J.J. Weaver looks like maybe the next one. But, of course, he got hurt against Florida. They're anticipating that he's ready to go this season. But uh, how realistic? Is it a guy coming off ACL to be at 100%? We'll see. Uh, so how does Kentucky manufacture this pass rush? That's one of the biggest question marks with the Kentucky Wildcats heading into the season. That's something Brad White discussed, uh, and he also gave an update here on J.J. Weaver. Anything new to report on the pass rush? I, you know, nothing new. Again, I, I, I've been pleasantly pleased with Jordan Wright. I think he's ready to take the next step, uh, and we're going to need him to uh, from as a rusher. Uh, he, he's he's really really focused hard on that, uh, but it can't be just one guy. It can't be two guys. You know, with Pascal, you know, you're gonna. It's got to be a whole bunch of guys that that get it, and they've got to rush as a group, and especially when it's just four man rush. You know, and you play four man rushing coverage, uh, they've got to understand what the guy next to them is doing, and. They don't just service themselves. They have to service that entire group, you know, and we're getting better. But as we get closer to game time, we've got to get narrowed down to who those four guys are, those primary four and nickel, uh, so they can get a lot of reps together. And this So far, we've just been repping a lot of different combos to try to figure out who's the best. But we'll, we'll start over these next two weeks really starting to tighten who that group's going to be. JJ has to get back to Elm first and foremost, but whenever he does get back to a spot where he can handle the majority of the snaps, could you – you kind of view Jordan Wright as a jack, or can he play that other house? No, the, Jordan can play either. Um, obviously, we're going to be really uh, judicious, you know, with with JJ bringing him back. And uh, the nice thing about Jordan is he's played both for his entire career. So, uh, you know, I, I'd anticipate at some point during the season that those two guys are on the field together. Um, but at the same time, it, it's nice when you. You know, if you, you talk about like having a starting pitching unit, right? And you can rotate those two when they, they come in fresh. And um, so we've, we've definitely got options. All right. So I talk about Jamin Davis and Josh Allen because maybe the next one could be Jordan Wright. I mean, he was uh, at one point SEC player of the week last season in Kentucky's win over Mississippi State. Of course, that was the game. I believe they won 24 to 2. And that kept uh, Mike Leach's scoring streak alive with his defense. <laughs> of course, that was uh, later broken. But, uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Brad White's hyping up this uh, Jordan Wright. That's a name to watch. Could he be the next star Kentucky defender? I don't know. But uh, the fact that uh, Brad White's talking him up, you got to be uh, – that's one guy to watch here if you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan. And I like the fact that, uh, you know, Brad White is not counting on one guy. You know, we're all looking for the next Josh Allen. Well, hell, everybody is at, at every university, and there's not many like that guy. So it's unrealistic to ask a guy to get 18 sacks, whatever he had that uh, his final season there. But maybe you can get that from three or four guys if you combine all their production. And uh, that certainly seems like a more sound method and what uh, Kentucky and Brad White is counting on this year from their unit. And uh, last thing on Kentucky, I just thought this was fantastic. Brad White talking about uh, the, the John Schlerman wall out there. Of course, the uh, late, great Kentucky offensive line coach that passed away 
last season in the middle of the year. Uh, here's Brad White talking about uh, what it means to see that uh, John Schlerman wall there. Can you, can you tell me about this sign, the Schlerman sign, what that means to this group, and is it a constant reminder to being right there that you guys see it all the time? What an unbelievable tribute, you know, to walk out today and to see that and to know every time we walk into the stadium, whether it be for a scrimmage, a practice, a game, and you look at really what the model of what being a Kentucky football player, coach, alumni, you name it, he was all of that. And I think it's a great reminder, not just for the people that are in this program that were around him and knew Coach Larman, but for those that didn't. And, you know, Coach always said, you know, we talked about he was the great American, but he's really sort of the great Kentuckian. And everybody gets to see it when they come to Kroger Field now. And that's, that's really, really moving for us. Like it was, it was an emotional trip. All right, last team to hit on. Let's jump on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Brian Harson met with the media here on Wednesday. Talk about being in his COVID protocol. And the good news is he's going to be back a lot sooner than anticipated. He's going to be back, scheduled to be back at least uh, next week on Monday. So he'll be there for virtually the entire week heading into uh, the opener there against Akron. So that's great news. Love to hear that. And Derek Mason, it sounds uh, by all indication, he's back even sooner. So, uh, you know, a little disaster averted here. Uh, and I've seen a lot of Auburn fans saying, well, now that uh, he's had the COVID, that means he's good for the next couple months. So, hey, there's a, there's a, uh, the other side of that is, uh, you know, <laughs> the other side of the coin can be positive there as well. So I was excited to hear that. And uh, we got some comments here from Brian Harson. So let's kick it over to the Auburn. All head right. Coach. Well, thank you all for your patience and flexibility, uh, given the development of last week. So uh, I'm at home, isolating, uh, feeling good, and uh, hope it continues to be that way. Uh, I realize I'm fortunate uh, to be able to say that. So very obviously, um, from what we've seen, this impacts everyone differently. So uh, while I'm here, I've been participating in meetings and uh, practices, and I just want to make sure that uh, you all know our coaches, players. I can't say enough just about our staff, how they've responded. They've done a great job. Coach Schmetting has stepped up, and uh, we've been able to operate like we normally would during this week um, in those meetings and on the practice field. So uh, as I said on Friday, uh, we have plans in place for this, and uh, certainly you know, when things happen with COVID, um, the, the teams that are able to navigate this and uh, implement the plan properly uh, and execute it at a high level are going to be the ones that I think are going to be most successful navigating through this pandemic. Because uh, as we've seen, you know, that uh, coaches, uh, there's been some coaches out and uh, the ones that we've had step up and, and the way we've operated, I think um, those guys have done a very good job. So, you know, right now we're, we're we're following our mitigation protocols. Uh, we'll continue to do so. Uh, so a little bit of my timeline here, the test I took on Thursday this last week uh, was part of what we've been regularly doing. And uh, Dr. Goodlett informed me of my result. And uh, so we proceeded with the standard protocols for a positive test, uh, no different for me than anybody else in our program. Uh, as of right now, based off my timeline, uh, I should return to the facility on Monday. 
of this next week. So uh, in time for game week and uh, preparing our team for that week of practice. Uh, no other coaches or players were quarantined based off my test result. Uh, that's due to our, in part of our mitigation protocols that we have in place uh, that, and that we've been following. So I'm proud of that. All right. So there you got it from coach Harson, And uh, you know, I, I thought this was his best media availability he's had yet at Auburn. So uh, maybe a little bit more, uh, I don't know, just not as long winded and, and, you know, it, it really, he really seemed to come with a purpose on this one and really speaking to the fans and the recruits and, and everybody listening. So the media, of course, especially uh, who's on the call with him there. So I, I kind of, I hope we get more of this Brian Harson moving forward. And I think he'll play a lot better uh, across the FCC doing that. But uh, Hey, who better to talk to about the Auburn Tigers than Nathan King of Auburn undercover, part of the 24 seven sports network. Let's kick it over to our interview with Nathan King. All right. We're pleased to be joined once again by uh, Nathan King. He's been on the show before and he works for uh, the 24 seven sports network covering the Auburn Tigers for Auburn undercover. And you can follow him at Nathan King, 24 seven sports. And you got to listen to his podcast, the Auburn undercover podcast. Nathan, I really appreciate you hopping on the line. Yeah, of course. How are y'all doing? Hey, we're doing good. But uh, before we get even into the football stuff, I mean, I, I even hate that I've got to bring this uh, this up, but uh, are you in the COVID protocol like everybody else down there on the plains? I fortunately, very fortunate, I am not. Um, <laughs> I actually went home. Uh, let's see. I went and saw my, my wife's family. Her mom is immunocompromised, you know, so she's having to be real. Definitely, you know, super safe. Um, and we did all the testing, all the necessary stuff. We basically quarantined for the past couple of weeks and we got to stay with them at their house for a few days for the first time in like a year and a half. So that was, that was really fun and definitely something uh, super special that my, my wife really appreciated and, and enjoyed a lot. So no, I'm, we're doing really good. We're doing, we're all safe and healthy. Hope, uh, hope y'all can say the same. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's great to hear, but, uh, can you give us information because, Obviously, Brian Harson he's come out and he's uh, in the COVID protocol. And Derek Mason has come out and said, uh, even though he's been vaccinated, he got it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want you to reveal any players or anything like that. But uh, based on your reporting, I mean, do you have an idea how many staff members and, and players and all that this uh, has affected? I gathered. So basically, this most of this stemmed from testing last Thursday. So as we're recording this on Wednesday evening, um, so about a week ago, uh, some players, yeah, I would, several players, I would say a a good handful, um, not any specific chunk of any one position group. So I guess that's, that's positive for Auburn. And then a couple coaches in addition to, you know, obviously Brian Harson was, uh, you know, the notable one. And then it comes out later that, well, we, well, we knew, we kind of knew at the time we reported at the time, Derek Mason, but then he ends up coming back and saying, Hey, he got it a little bit before Harson. Um, he actually was back at, at in the building. He's back at practice today on Wednesday. So no, we spoke to Brian Harson today from inside his house. He zoomed us from um, his house and uh, definitely one of the more insightful times we've talked to him. He definitely felt like he had to make a point about this COVID stuff. Um, a lot of people thinking that he is not necessarily taking it very seriously I know a lot of people have just been um, speculating that and coming out and saying that and that's kind of become the narrative but he made sure to to kind of uh, knock that out of the way and say that's certainly not the narrative he, he went on to explain everything that Auburn is doing um, to not only fight this virus and, and uh, you know, get players vaccinated and do all the good stuff you got to do but also 
um, educate and, and promote. I mean, even the university president was in there yesterday um, promoting the benefits of the vaccine. So they've been doing that a lot. Um, but yes, yeah, so and now Brian Harson said he'll be back on Monday. Again, recording this on Wednesday. So he'll be back on Monday uh, just in time to start game week in preparation for the season opener. Um, and he said, based on all the other players that are in protocol, um, they should be in pretty good shape based on the timeline. I, I think they're expecting to have a full roster um, for that season opener, given there are no other uh, outbreaks on the team. So was that uh, your main takeaway from uh, Wednesday's press availability with uh, Coach Harson? Was just, uh, you know, the, you know his stance on the vaccines and whatnot? Because I got to be honest with you, I've, I've sat through all his press conferences and uh, you know they're not uh, they're not the most engaging and entertaining, but uh, this seemed to be a little bit more personable of a of an Auburn head coach to me. What were your thoughts on that? I think yeah, I think that's the right word. Um, you could just kind of tell that he had that initiative and and definitely wanted to get something off his chest. He's reading off a of note cards, um, so you know this was something that was really important to him. And um, you know, kind of what I gathered is that I don't know if he, he took offense. I don't know if that's the right word, but. Um, I think he was a little. I think he was bothered um, by the fact that this had been a narrative that had started about him. Um, I think you know whether or not he is vaccinated. Again, that is something that has come up a bunch. He has still not answered and said that he is. So obviously that has led everybody to believe that he is not vaccinated. But I think the point he wanted to get across was: look, even if you know I'm I'm me and you do you. Um, but, you know, we have been promoting like crazy the benefits of the vaccine. And this is the first time really that he went out and spoke at length about the benefits and about how much promoting they've done, because I think he kind of rubbed people the wrong way at SEC Media Days when he was talking about, um, you know, the fact that he wasn't pushing it too hard because it was a personal decision. Um, he also said they talked about the pros and cons. I know him saying cons kind of people didn't really, you know, understand that very much. And so he, he's really done a heel turn here. And it's definitely trying to, to make people aware of how seriously he's taking this right now, even if he himself has not taken the vaccine. So uh, switching gears to more uh, entertaining stuff to talk about here, but uh, Bo Nix and TJ Finley, how's that shaping up? And, uh, you know, I listen to the Auburn Undercover podcast, so I know uh, what you've already reported on it. But uh, can you share uh, how's the quarterback competition down there on the Plains? Yeah, it's boy, it's, it's as deep a room as they've had in a long time. Um, and and. There's nothing that shows the importance of that more than what happened in the past week. You know, obviously Bo Nix was not one of those guys, and T.J. Finley not one of those guys that um, that was out because of COVID. But, I mean, it, it could happen. Your quarterback isn't immune. Your starting quarterback isn't immune to that. So you really just never know what's going to happen this season. And the fact that Auburn now believes that it has pretty quality depth at not only the backup position with T.J. Finley, um, but the third stringer, Demetrius Davis, he's a four-star freshman out of Houston, um, he's the winningest quarterback in high school football history in Texas, um, surpassing Ebert. Even Kyler Murray, he's done a lot of good stuff this preseason. He has been a guy who was there for the spring, really kind of developed there, started to learn the playbook, and he's really turned some heads in scrimmage settings and making things happen outside the pocket. But I just kind of wanted to give him his due real quick before saying that it is Nixon Finley, the one in the two right now. Um, they are far and away. Um, obviously, you have the most advantages right now. Harson did say that you know if, if we were to play a game tomorrow, that Bo Nix would be the starter. That should not be a surprise to anybody who has been paying attention to anything. I think T.J. Finley has been really helpful. He's been really beneficial for this room. I think he's exactly what Bo Nix needed 
a guy that is not just going to come. They, they didn't need somebody who was going to come in and try to take his job. Like obviously Finley's trying to take his job, but they didn't need somebody to come in and replace him and be that guy that's head and shoulders, you know, you know, right next to him. They needed a guy like Finley who's going to nip at his heels, provide that pressure, and force Bo to be the best version of himself every day in practice. Because something that not only Nick has said to us, but also all of his teammates, is that he's the best when he's a competitor. Um, and I think that showed in 2019 when he beat out Joey Gatewood and it kind of had some magical moments that season. There's that pressure going on that you, you don't want to lose that starting job. Nick's is definitely feeling that right now. And um seems like all signs are pointing to him having a pretty good fall camp. Finley's coming along well, but I, I really just don't foresee a situation where Finley is um, really too dangerous to that starting quarterback job. Maybe let's talk again, you know, week seven or week eight, if things start to crumble down, but for right now, for the way things are going, Bo has the good control of this offense, and, and he'll be the starter for the foreseeable future. Now, we all know Tank Bigsby, one of the best, uh, not only running backs, but maybe overall players in the SEC, just voted to uh, the coaches, all SEC first team. And Sean Shivers, we know what we're getting in him. He's a very solid player. But uh, any concerns with uh, the running back group behind them? I mean, who's Auburn's third guy there? Because you got to – thinking that in a Mike Bobo system, they're going to lean heavily on the ground game. Sure. Yeah, there there can be some concerns. Um, I think the concerns would be on a numbers basis. So I, I think the magic number for a running back rotation is probably five, even if you don't use that fifth guy very much, or maybe you don't even use that fourth guy very much. But you need to have five running backs that you can rely on. Right now, Auburn's only got four scholarship running backs. Um, the, the two guys behind, like you said, Bigsby and Shivers, we know what we're getting with that one-two punch. You've got Jordan Ingram, who is a second-year player. He's at Central Michigan last season. He did not play, but he's an in-state kid from Alabama, from Mobile, um, that wanted to go to Auburn that first time around, ended up not working out that way. Now he's able to transfer in. He's kind of that taller. He's like six foot one, a little more slender. Um, he'll look like a carry-on Johnson when he's out there. He's got that kind of a build. He's a very smooth, patient runner good catching the ball out of the backfield and then you've got a true freshman in Jarquez Hunter which I mean there are many people within the program that don't think that he is the diamond in the rough of this recruiting class only a three-star prospect he's the number one player in Mississippi in terms of an offensive perspective Um, and then he's also the the leading rusher in Mississippi last season and just a really really productive player at the high school level he's kind of that short stocky kind of reminds you of a, of a Trey Mason, the way that he he's able to just kind of punch his way through the line of scrimmage and find an area to burst through. So you've got your two different types of backs there. Right now what we've seen in fall camp is that they're going to kind of split that number three job. So I would expect maybe both of those guys to get anywhere from three, four, you know, to, to seven carries a game, that kind of thing, um, just because their skill sets are so different. But you're exactly right. I mean, there, there could be some concerns. Um, just because my thing is what, ha- what, what if something happens to St. Bigsby? We saw him have some injuries last season, and now you're asking two first-year players within your program, two first-year players overall, actually, um, to come in and have a big impact on your offense when, like you said, Mike Webber likes to run the ball a lot. So we'll see how that goes. They've had some good walk-on production so far, but uh, that's certainly not something you want to rely on either. Well, speaking of uh, question marks, I, you know, the, it's been a question mark seemingly for a number of years there on the Plains, but uh, what about the offensive line with uh, Will Friend, first-year offensive line coach, running Bobo's system there? Uh, how settled is that group with, uh, you know, we're, we're basically a week out from, from game day? Um, not, not settled. <laughs> uh, they, they kind of, they wanted this thing done a little faster. 
there have been so I guess I should have like prefaced early on. I, I haven't like really done like many other radio stuff or, or podcast stuff since fall camp started. Mm-hmm. But we've got and I don't know how much of this even applies, but the the coaches are asking us, obviously they can't force us to do anything, but um asking us not to disclose like injury information from mm-hmm. practice, stuff like that, yada yada. Um I just don't want my access pulled, so I'm just you know gonna go along with it, whatever. But I will just say that the offensive line has had guys miss a good bit of practice this preseason. And so all, when you thought you kind of you knew what you had, um, things were kind of thrown, a wrench was kind of thrown into things, and now they had to try a lot of different lineups. Luckily, you know, they had eight guys from last season who have starting experience. Because of the injuries, they got some extra starting experience in there. My best guess right now, and Brian Arson actually gave us a two-deep on the offensive line today, um, which was pretty nice. Maybe he felt bad for you know, not being able to talk to us after the scrimmage. But my best guess right now, you've got Austin Troxel. I think he's going to take that left tackle spot. Brandon Council, who got injured last season, he was their best offensive lineman. He's playing right guard. I believe he's, it looks like he's going to actually nail down that left guard spot. Nick Brahms, first team all SEC, we know what you got, you got with him. He's going to be the center. At right guard, Keandre Jones, who came in for Council after he got hurt. I think he's going to be that guy. At right guard and then right tackle is a battle between Brodarius Ham, who made the coaches all SEC team on the third team, um, and then a guy named Brendan Coffey, who's a JUCO player, um, has developed pretty well in the past year. So we'll see what happens between those. But no, it's not locked down, and I thought they, I think they wanted it to be, and um, seems like it might be a couple weeks before it is. But the good, good news for Auburn, um, my coworker Mark Murphy called it a couple exhibition games they've got coming up. They play. Uh, Akron and, and Alabama State, no offense to those programs, but I think Auburn, that, that's a pretty helpful situation before that Penn State game to maybe try to figure things out on the O-line. And how's the uh, secondary coming along under Derek Mason? I, I know there's a lot of talent there, and they've had some transfers. Uh, one of, in particular, Donovan Kaufman's already familiar with uh, Coach Mason's system, but uh, how are those pieces fitting together? Do you, do you think that'll be a strength of this Auburn team? I think it's the best. Uh, I think it's the best unit on the roster. I think um, linebacker is probably not far behind it. Um, what we saw with Chandler Wooten today was named a captain. I think their their three linebackers are really really good. But yeah, that secondary uh, it's just loaded and it got even better this fall. Like you talked about with those transfers, they brought in three transfers in the secondary, all of which are making a really big impact in fall camp. Donovan Kaufman, Harson said today he's their starting nickel. So came right in, like you said, was comfortable with Mason's system, and is, is slotted right in there at the nickel spot. Um, by Darius Knighton has been the starting safety alongside Smoke Monday for most of fall camp. That's still not set in stone. There's some competition going on there, but looks like he'll be the guy. Knighton came from southeast Missouri State where he was an FCS All-American. And then a guy who was added late in the process named Rotorius Torrance. Um, he was a, a, a JUCO player of the year at the JUCO level, a six foot three corner. You don't see that very often. I think he was kind of forgotten about in the steep cornerbacks rotation. People, you know, thinking about what the lineup is going to look like. I don't think his name was brought up super often, but he is going to be in the starting mix right now. He has been actually one of their best playmakers all throughout fall camp. He had a 100-yard pick six um, in their second scrimmage, and in the scrimmage before that he had a deflection on the goal line, uh, batted down a pass on the goal line on uh, fourth and goal. And so he's been a guy who's been all over the place making really good plays for that defense, but that's, you know, Contrary to your previous question about the offensive line, the secondary is in a great spot um, that they, they know what they've got right now. Guys are versatile enough to play multiple positions. We know Derek Mason is a phenomenal defensive coach, and yeah, they're certainly going to lean on that group at the start of the year, 100%. All right, last question for you, Nathan. I really appreciate all the time you've given me, but uh, 
we all anticipate Auburn's going to be 2-0 to start the season. I mean, they got they start with two cupcake teams. Uh, it would be, be stunning if they're not 2-0. How big is this Penn State game for, I mean, so many things, the season and people buying into Brian Harson. Uh, it's already announced it's going to be a whiteout game. Uh, i got to assume that Penn State's going to be a big favorite in that game. But, uh, you know, how much momentum can be captured if Auburn goes up there and goes on the road and beats Penn State? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's one of those games where a loss isn't the end of the world. I mean, it, it's week three. You know, you're starting out a new system on both offense and defense. And that, like you said, that's going to be a hostile road environment where Penn State's trying to bounce back and they'll be a big favorite. You know, nobody is going to fault you that much for losing that game. But on the flip side, you're exactly right. If you pull off that upset, that is going to be a huge amount of momentum pushing forward, especially because you look at what Auburn's got after that. The first two SEC games for Brian Harson, welcome to the SEC, at LSU and at home against Georgia. So those aren't necessarily going to be easy wins. You know, both of those might be, might be tougher than the Penn State matchup. And so if you can gather some momentum, maybe catapult yourself into the, you know, not that polls matter that much, but, you know, put yourself in the top 15, have your offense feeling good you go and grab a road victory where we know Bo Nix hasn't been super consistent on the road in his career and then you come and you play LSU and Georgia to start the SEC you're 4-0 when going into those games you're talking about maybe a completely different mindset for this team as opposed to if you dropped that Penn State game so maybe maybe not completely different I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I do think this team you know it's going to take its lumps it's got a really difficult schedule I think they can be if they end up seven and five, which is probably what I think they're going to land at, they'll probably be one of the better seven and five teams in the country. They just got a really difficult schedule. Um, but no, you're exactly right. That Penn State game, a loss is not a killer. Nobody's gonna, you know, nobody's gonna gonna turn up their nose too much at that one that on a national level and say, oh, Brian Harson's not getting it done. But if you get a victory in a big setting like that, you know, primetime ABC game, whiteout, everyone's watching and they say, oh, looks like. Looks like Auburn's got it together with Brian Harson. You know, maybe the offense is clicking and it's it's looking a lot different than it did under Gus Malzahn. Um, that's going to be a really big benefit for the program. So yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to that one in Week Three. All right, he's Nathan King. Got to give him a follow at Nathan King twenty four seven Sports of t- Auburn twenty four seven Undercover. I really appreciate you, Nathan. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. All right, so I want to say thanks again to Nathan King for hopping on the line. Give us uh, the lowdown on the Auburn Tigers heading into the season. And, man, two interviews. This, is, this has been a long podcast, but, uh, you know, just wanted to – hey, we're not even done with the week. I about said finish strong for the week, but we'll have one more show. Cousin Shane will be on the next episode. We're really trying to crank things up as the season nears, but uh, hope you guys appreciated all this coverage on this uh, Thursday going around the SEC and multiple interviews. And if you did, of course, give us that five-star rent review on the Apple Podcast app. We would appreciate that. And check us out on YouTube. That thing's blowing up. But, uh, hey, that's all I got on this one. Catch you on the next one.